financial fundamentals for success. And um, really want to just uh, some things go over. I'm going to give talk about about five different things this morning, and um, not going to fully exhaust any of them. But this will kind of whet our appetites, so you can go back and um, you can go back and and uh, eat some of this. You can self feed and study some of this for yourself. Amen. Amen. So, uh, point number one that we're going to start this morning. We talked about it last week about that it's how important it is to have a vision for your life. And a part of the vision for your life is we want you to have a vision for your life and for your money, okay? How many people think it's important to have a vision for your life? You remember talking about that, how that, I mean, I think some, sometimes we drift through life too much and we really don't have a focus. We think that we just let the circumstances and situations that we go through shape us instead of us being on a course of saying, hey, I'm going I'm to be a person, I'm gonna be a, we're going to be a family that pursues godliness. We're going to be a, a, a family that, that perpetuates a godly heritage after generation after generation. Generation. We're going to be that kind of a people. And so um, as I've talked with people over the last couple of weeks and talking about this idea of having a vision for your life or a vision for the, your money, a question came up and they said, well, where do you get that vision? Does, does God come and speak to you in a dream or does, do you get a prophetic word from somebody or do, do, you, do you send away and get a mail order vision for your life? Like, where does it come from? And, uh, and, and, and two of those three are not a bad idea, right? Getting, hearing from the Lord, getting, uh, having dreams and visions and prophetic words. But can I tell you, one of the greatest places, and we're going to focus on looking at this a lot today, is, is just from the Word of God. Um, there's a scripture in, chapter, in Psalm chapter 112, and it really paints the picture. It kind of gives a vision for a successful life. Now, we're not going to go through the entire chapter today. But I do want to read a couple of scriptures, beginning in verse 1. Psalm 112, verse 1. It says, praise the Lord. Blessed. How many people want to be blessed? Anybody want to be blessed? Five people want to be blessed. All right. Yeah, we all want to be blessed, right? Tell the person beside you. You may not know it, but you want to be blessed. All right? So, <laughs> blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments, his offspring, his children, will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Listen to this. Godly people don't just, listen for, don't just live for themselves. Here's a church. We're not just living for those that are here. We're living for those that are coming here. Amen? We're doing things now so that others can come in and can experience the, the blessing and the love and the health and the strength that God's pouring into our lives. So it's, it's not all about us. Parents, you know this. You don't live your lives for your children, right? I mean, you just live hoping that you'll keep your children alive, correct? I mean, that's uh, and not do something that would just really, really be painful uh, to, the, to you or to, the, to them. So we, we see here that the scripture says, his offspring will be mighty in the land. Is that part of your vision for your life? That, that, that your kids will stand on your shoulders and go higher than you go? Is it that we want to help them? We're, we're walking a pathway and we're cutting a, a swath. We're cutting a path. But what we're praying is that our children will come behind us and won't have to recut the same trees. They won't have to remove the same obstacles. But they can enlarge that path and they can make a, a greater impact for the kingdom of God. Is, is that what's your vision? Is that part of your heart? Well, listen, it says the offspring of, um, his offspring will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. 
Are you believing for that? Are you praying that for your children and for your grandchildren? That they'll be blessed. They'll be blessed, amen? That they'll have everything they need to accomplish and to live the life that God's created them to live. It says, wealth and riches are in his house and and his righteousness endures forever. That wealth and riches will be part of the blessing. Wealth and riches. I know that's, that's almost like talking about sex in church, right? But, uh, but, but, but say this with me. Wealth and riches. Wealth and riches, okay? It's not that we seek the wealth and the riches. We seek the Lord. We seek his righteousness. We seek his favor. We seek his blessing. And he pours out wealth and riches upon the house. And, his, that, and, and I believe it's going to be an enduring wealth and riches. Uh, I won't go into all the stories, but, but there have been a couple of times in the, the heritage of my family where, where um, there's been some prosperity that's come up, and then a couple of different times where that prosperity was stolen, was, was wiped away. I mean, literally, my grandfather owned a trucking company, and um, then there was an accident that took place, and they were sued, and they lost the trucking company. They lost a, they lost, um, a, a business that they had, and, and when I knew him, this happened before I was around, but when I knew him, he um, ran a salvage yard, just a, a kind of a, we called him a junkyard. Does anybody know what a junkyard is? So, I mean, none of, nobody over here knows what, somebody fill them in later on, okay, what a junkyard is, okay? And so, uh, so I'm... <laughs> That's, um, uh, so, but you know what? Part of our declaration and part of what we believe is that God has said no more. That, that, that happens, some things like that happen with my, with my mom and dad. But you know what? We've drawn a line in the sand and said no more. Does anybody, have you ever had to draw a line in the sand for your family and say no more? No, no more the enemy stealing stuff from our lives. No more of sexual sin that's coming through the generations of our family. No more poverty. No more sickness. No more infirmity. No more divorce. Have you drawn the line? Have you done that? Okay, because this is part of the vision for our life here. Wealth and riches are in his house and his righteousness endures forever. It is well, verse 5 says, it's well with the man who deals generously and lends. He conducts, who conducts his affairs with justice. Part of the heritage, part of who we are, part of God's declaration over our lives is that we can be the, the, the lenders, not the borrowers. Amen? That we can be those who, who practice generosity, not just always expect generosity. I remember when <clears throat> Yvette and I moved to um, the Bahamas, we came to this uh, little church and and there we were pastoring there and great, great times and great. And somebody said, oh, that sounds really rough being missionaries for the Bahamas. And I said, well, you try and raise money for sunscreen. I'm just telling you, it's, you know, it's, it's a challenge. So, but, but we lived there and I can remember the church needed some repairs. And, and the first thing that some of the, the people said was, oh, we've got to go and ask so-and-so for money. We've got to, we've got to ask another, a church in Nassau or we've got to write to the States and, because they're the ones that came and built the church. And I just felt something felt a little funny about that. And I was praying one day with the Lord. And the Lord said, no, all the resource to accomplish what I want here in the house. The people just have to give. The people got to take ownership and, and, and break a mentality that says, hey, we're expecting generosity instead of living with an expectation of being generous. Amen? So what kind of vision do we have for our lives and for money? Listen. 
Verse 9, it's well with the man who deals generously and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice. God wants you blessed. Turn to the person beside you and say, God wants you blessed. God wants you blessed. Listen, it doesn't scare God. (laughs) It doesn't scare God for you to have money. God's not afraid of money. God's not afraid of of you having wealth or or having prosperity in your lives. We we shouldn't be afraid of money. You may have heard it quoted and said that, well, money's, you know, that's where all evil starts. But that's a misquote of the scripture, okay? First Timothy tells us this in chapter 6. He says, hey, for the love of money, when we set our affections, when we set our identity, when we set our heart upon money, the love of money is the root of all evil. But don't do this. Don't ever mistake, okay? Don't ever limit. Don't think, hey, money is the blessing of God. Can I tell you, the blessing of God is so much more than money. Amen? It's so much more than money. It includes money. It includes finances. But I love what Proverbs chapter 10 says. It says, the blessing of God makes one rich. Rich in joy, rich in happiness, rich in peace, rich in love, rich in his presence, rich in that every need of our lives is met. The blessing of God makes one rich. Amen? So have a vision for your life. Have a vision for your money. And the second thing is I would say be sure and take the time to gain wisdom about money, gain wisdom about finances. You know, the truth of the matter is that every single day of our life, we're going to interact with money. We're going to interact with possessions. Every single day, we're going, to, we're going to be going out and we're going to be spending finance, spending money on some type of things. Anybody ever have to buy gas for your car? Anybody ever have to have, you know, maybe get some, buy some food? Anybody ever, does anybody take that food home and cook it? Or has it already come? I just, I was just curious if that still happens anywhere. So I was just wondering, okay, there's, it happens at certain places. Hey, I'm not saying any, hey, this, this week, Yvette and I celebrated our 35th anniversary of our engagement. Woo! I'm so thankful she said yes. I just better leave that alone. There's so much I want to say, but I'm just so, I feel the fear of the Lord coming out of here. So that's right. That, so, hey, study about money. Get some wisdom about money. You're going to deal with it every day, all of your life. And one of the best, okay, the best source for how to deal with finances is the Bible. Uh, There's a gentleman, Howard Dayton. He was involved with uh, Crown Financial Ministries. He does a study. He said that um, that there's an an overview of, there's 2,350 verses from the Bible which comment on handling money and possessions. God's Word talks more about money and possessions than it does about love, hope, and prayer combined. And nowhere in the scripture is debt ever viewed in a positive way. That's some wisdom we can learn from, right? One out of every six verses where Jesus speaks in the gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, where Jesus speaks in the gospel, one out of every six verses, he's dealing with money and with possessions. One half of all of the parables that Jesus gives deals with finances. It deals with possessions. How many people think maybe this is some topic that God wants us to have some wisdom about? He wants us to know about. It really, really is. It really is. We find out that in our world today that stress and arguments, sickness from that stress, from the pressure of finances causes all kinds of health issues uh, in our world today. 
um, half of the marriages, statistics say, that half of the marriages that, that, that divorce, or half of the divorces that take place in, in our world today, that, that money or money problems or money issues are the root of that. So, so we've got to get some wisdom and some understanding about financial things, and we need to go to the Scriptures to do that. We, we've got to glean, you've heard me say this before, but we've got, we've got to get an understanding that, that money... Okay, it's an inanimate thing, but there really is a spirit attached to it. And, and, and the spirit that's going to be attached to your money is determined by you and what you do with it. It's either going to be the spirit of God or the spirit of mammon, the spirit of unrighteousness. Matthew chapter 6 verse 24 puts it like this and says, That no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You can't serve God and, as the scripture says, filthy lucre. You can't serve God and finances and then riches, okay? You, you can't serve them both. It's, you're going to love one. And remember what we said about 1 Timothy chapter 6? That it's the love of money that's the problem. It's when we put our love and we, we sow our identity is so attached to what we have and what we don't have. You're not going to be able to love money and serve God. So why don't we make the choice to serve God first and, and then we'll, uh, we'll let him get, help us to, to handle money properly. Does that sound like a good idea this morning? I think so. I think so. Proverbs chapter 3 uh, is a, a, a well-known section of the scripture. You know, if you read a, a proverb a day, you can read... The book of Proverbs every month, 31 Proverbs there, you know. And so uh, there's a lot of wisdom to be gleaned here in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1 says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Anybody want a long life filled with peace and the blessing of God? Okay, we start by getting some wisdom here. Verse 3 says, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck and write them on the table of your heart. And then you will have a life filled with favor and good success in the sight of God and man. That's a pretty powerful promise from the Lord here. How many people want to receive that as a promise from God? We fill our lives with his life, his wisdom, his presence. He'll bless our lives. And so he says then, verse 5, and hopefully everybody here knows this scripture. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not lean to your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. He'll help you walk out the vision. He'll help you walk out the purpose, the reason that he created you. It goes on, though, in verse 7, it says, here's how we do that. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment. It'll revive. It'll give life to your body, to your bones there. He goes on, he says, here's another part. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty. Look, look what God's saying. You'll honor the Lord. You put him first. He's, you'll be faithful with what he's put in your hand, and he'll give you more. He'll fill your barns with plenty, and your vats will be bursting with wine. I encourage you, go back and read that chapter 3. There's more promises there that have to do with finances. But I, I think it just boils down to we've got to get some wisdom 
about how to operate and how to live in this, in this financial structure, in this financial system that God's established and that it's, it's operational in our world today, all around the world, okay? There's some type of a system where there's an exchange of goods. There's cost with an exchange of goods. We need to be wise about this. I believe that if we'll be people who study, the people who gain wisdom about finances, okay, as we search, as we seek the Lord first, then God will entrust us. He'll entrust us with resources which will allow us to do the work of the kingdom of God around the world and across the street. Amen? Anybody believe that? I really do. Number three, and we've uh, touched on this before. As a matter of fact, back in, back in February when we were talking about um, F words that you can say in church, we had a little section here called finances. And this was one of the things and as I was putting this message together, I thought, Lord, really? We want to put this in here again? And uh, God said, yeah. And, and the reason is because statistically, statistically, Americans today are going deeper and deeper in debt. And, and, and debt, listen, and this is number three, know the, debt of, know the danger of debt. Debt is not your friend. I don't care what Visa says. I don't care what MasterCard says. I don't care how pretty they make the cards and how, you know, zero interest and, and, and pr promotional offers. It's not going to cost you anything. They don't make billions and billions of dollars every year by giving stuff away. Amen? Know the danger of debt. I like this statement that Bill Hybels made. It's a pretty heavy statement, so hang on here. He says this. He says, debt is telling God his current level of provision for your life is not enough. That's pretty serious, isn't it? Debt is saying, God, your provision for my life is not enough, and then arranging how to get more for yourself. Um, he goes on to say that debt is very close to spiritual treason. It's very close to saying, God, you've got something wrong. You're missing something. And God, because you've got something wrong, I'll take over and I'll take charge and I'll, I'll, I'll handle things and I'll be my own source and I'll just use the credit cards and credit companies and, and, and I, it's very close to spiritual treason. It's very close to just kind of like we said last week about mocking God, just turning your nose up to God and saying, God, I got, I got this, I'm, I'm handling it on my own. We need to see debt. We need to see debt as a threat we, and also, we need to, while we're in a position, while we're in a position, and, and statistically, statistically, eight out of ten people in this room are carrying consumer debt of some sort. That's pretty scary. I mean, it really is. So, so instead of, of living on debt and what we think we need and what we think we ha have to have right now, how about if we, if we accept the idea that God loves us and God cares for us and God hasn't taken his eye off of us and that the level of provision that we're living at right now, we're living there for a reason. Maybe that reason is because God wants to teach us something. Maybe he's wanting to help us to recognize something about ourselves that are, and one of those great things is that our identity is not attached to how much money we have, how much cash is in the bank, how, not, how big our retirement plan is, how much our investments are worth, that, that, that our identity and our worth and our value will never, 
will never be limited to something that can be assessed in dollars and cents. Amen? So know the danger of debt. Because if we stay in debt long enough, the truth of this scripture will be lived out in our lives. Proverbs chapter 22 verse 7 says, The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. The borrower is slave to the lender. I, I hope that you guys will hear this not as a... Um, not just as, as some financial seminar type of a tidbit, but, but that we'll really receive this as a very spiritual issue. I, I remember many years ago um, in the old building, uh, we, were, uh, we did a little thing. We had a guy named Harold Herring. Does anybody remember Brother Harold? Brother Harold, he's, uh, he, he, if you've met him, you can't forget him. He is just an amazing, wonderful guy. He had worked with John Avanzini. He uh, did some things on the debt army and a whole bunch of things. But... <clears throat> Brother Harold came and he did a, a seminar for us and did us some teaching on finances. And then when the, there was a small group of us that was gathered there on a Wednesday night, and he actually had us write down our indebtedness. And, and I forget how much it was, but uh, how many people were there. But, but the thing that staggered me was that at that point in time, that small group of people owed over $400,000. Yeah. In a group here today, we won't do this, but... But, but it, the, the number's probably millions. Could you imagine? I mean, just dream with me for a second. Let's, everybody, how many people want to dream a good dream? Okay. Let's dream for a minute that all of our debts are paid off. I thought we'd have people jumping up and shouting out, Woo! Hallelujah! <laughs> yeah. Cars are paid for, houses are paid for, retirement's fully funded, you know, we've got this emergency savings account, got, we've got everything, you know, school loans are paid off, and uh, yeah, come on, right? So, all the debt's gone. Can you imagine the available resources that there would be in the kingdom of God, in this part of the kingdom of God known as New Covenant Church? Can you imagine the the resources of, of, of what we could do with missions or what we could do with, you know, helping support and continue to invest in locally, funding Church Under the Bridge. Church Under the Bridge has a, some needs right now we're praying about. We were over there a couple weeks ago, and John was talking about how he needed a trailer to put all this stuff in. And I'm thinking, man, if we, man, if we just had these resources. And, and, and I believe, folks, I believe that's part of our calling. I, I I, I believe that it's not about hoarding up for us. It's about being a well source to other churches and well source to, to people with need in our community and a well source for, for the work of the kingdom of God globally. I believe that. I call it. I declare it into being in the name of Jesus. But you know what? We let debt be around too long and it'll, it'll, be, it'll enslave us. Hey, I'm, not, I'm not saying that there's never a time to use debt. Okay? Get to hear, the, hear the word there? Use debt. Not let debt control us. Not, you know, use credit for convenience. Right? Not to sustain us. I, 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 I look around and I, I hear it so often. And, and you guys hear it and you know it. And... 
I hear people saying, man, I've got, a, I've got a dream. I would love to do this. I'd love to accomplish this in the kingdom. I'd love to go and do this. I'd love to, to help this person. I'd love to build this. I'd love to, you know, well, but and someday when I can get out of debt, when I can get my bills paid for, when I, when, I, when I can do, when I, when I, when I, when I, and it's all revived and we're slaves. We're being held captive from accomplishing the vision that God's given us for our life because of these finances, because of debt. There's an old saying that says, money is a great servant, but a horrible master. Okay, so beware. Beware of debt. Here's a little tidbit. Borrow as little as possible and pay it off as quickly as you can. Amen? Number four. Number four. Have a budget and put God first in your budget. Anybody ever heard this saying? Failing to plan is planning to fail, right? Okay, you've got to have a plan. If you, if you don't have a plan, if you haven't created a plan, if you haven't got that vision for your life, vision for money, I encourage you, take the time to work on it, okay? Put, put, uh, so develop a budget. And, and listen, if you don't know how to develop a budget, if you've never been talked to about a budget, that, that doesn't make you, it doesn't make you wrong, it doesn't make you weak, it makes you human. We don't know what we don't know, Right? Get some help. There's people here. There's people here that can help you in that process. There's, there's going to be uh, small groups that are coming up here in a, in a few weeks. Our, our, our 2017 fall term is going to be starting, and there's going to be classes for, for the women of faith and Catalyst Men's Group, and there's going to be principles of freedom that's going to take place. And these are all going to be great things. They're going to be wonderful things. And then there's also going to be a, a Money's Matter class. And, and listen, I'm, I'm not trying to promote the Money's class. Just getting, get into a group. Get some wisdom. Get some, some impartation into your life that will help you. But if you, if you need some help, let us know. We're here to help you. Okay? We're all on the journey together. Amen? So get a budget. Put God first. How? Tithe. Tithe. Okay? Malachi talks about bringing the tithe into the, into the storehouse and so that there will be bread, that there will be resources to, fit, to, to, to supply for others. So I encourage you, tithe. Anybody know what tithe means? Tithe equals 10%, right? 10%. As Yvette and I stood at the um at the the tithe boxes of course you don't know if you don't know uh, our tithe boxes are on the back uh, the back walls back there and um, we put them on the back walls so that you might come in to worship the lord but if you leave here with god's money in your pocket you're living a very dangerous life you know <laughs> so um so we were standing back there praying this morning and i was just reminded that we're not giving god something we're just returning something to god We've been holding, okay, it'd be like me saying, here, hold this money for me. And we've been holding God's money. We've, everything that we've got, we received from God. We've been holding God's money, and God says, just, just bring 10% back. And so we stood there, and we prayed, and worshiped the Lord, and put our, gave God his 10% back, and then claimed all of his promises. And we won't go into that. That's a whole another whole message there. But, but there's a lot of promises that we can claim as we tithe unto the Lord. If we give God the first. So, um, so tithe. The second thing is learn the principles of budgeting, saving, giving. And write this word down. Budgeting, saving, and giving. And margin. Margin. Okay? I'm not saying margarine. I'm not talking about something like butter or, you know. I'm talking about margin. Margin. Okay? So follow a plan, okay? Here's a, here's a good thing to know about your plan. Live on less than you earn. 
That's a, that's a deep revelation there. I know. We, okay. Live on less that you earn. Well, that's not how I want to live. Well, you won't have to live that way always unless you don't do it now. Uh, okay? God, God's, learn what God wants us to learn at this level of provision, and let's move to another one. So the number two thing is, is, is save. Budget some savings into your, you know, budget tithes, budget saving, savings, and budget giving. Uh, now, I, I, I'm, I'm serious. Uh, it doesn't matter. Look at me. Everybody look at me. Let me see your eyes, all right? It doesn't matter what your level of income is. It could go down. Is that true? How many people say, you know, you could, they could come in and say, we're cutting salaries, we're dropping salaries 10%. Or we're, or, or we're cutting your, your allowance, or we're cutting your funding, or we, maybe you've never had that happen. I've had that happen. That's not a very fun thing to do. Which, but what would you do? You've got options at that point in time. You can get mad, you can cuss and scream and kick the cat. And well, I'm not sure kicking the cat's wrong, but, any, um, but, uh, but you can do all these things, right? But the bottom line is, what are you going to do? You're going to tighten the belt. You're going to make it work, right? So my, my question is, why would we let crisis have more authority in our life than conviction? Why, why would we? Let, let, that's, not, that's, not the way, that's not the way to live because if that's how we live, we are prophetically declaring over our lives that we always have to have crisis in our life. I don't want to, who wants to live in crisis? Nobody. Nobody. We want to, that's not what God created us for. He created us to live in freedom. So, so go ahead, schedule a meeting right now, real quickly. Here, we'll wrap up, okay? Schedule a meeting with your money. Put your checkbook, put your credit cards, put your money, okay, on the table. Say, we're here to have a meeting today, all right? And, and, and money will listen if you'll tell it what to do, okay? But if you don't tell it what to do, it kind of has a mind of its own. I don't know about you, but, man, this past week, my, my, my money, just, I, I don't know how this happened, my money and my car colluded together, and they kept driving through the snow cone place. I don't know, you know, so it was hot. I've discovered snow cones. I've discovered the snow cones with the ice cream in the bottom of the snow. Has anybody else discovered this? They put ice cream in the bottom of snow. Where was this one? We were kids, I'm telling you. I mean, ice cream and mixing with snow cones and, and flavoring and cream on the top. And I'm mean, just telling you, it's, it's a little bit of heaven, um, but... But all of a sudden, money's gone. It just, it goes. So tell your money, okay, have a budget meeting. Tell your money where, where to go. One other point that we talked about a couple of, uh, some time back was, know the difference between spending and saving. All right, do you guys remember this? We, we practiced this one time, okay? Spending is when your money leaves. <laughs> it's when your money goes away, Okay? When you spend, say bye, okay? So, so spending is when money, one more time. Spending is when money, okay? Saving is when money stays, right? When money stays, when we put it in someplace and it invests and it makes interest and then we have more money. When we spend, we have less money, right? Is everybody with me on this? Say spend equals less. Go ahead. Spend. Spend. Okay, ladies. <clears throat> I'm sorry. 
I was the first time in church, all I heard was male voices. I just heard, okay? Repeat after me. Ladies, spend equals less. No, not blessed. Less. Less. Try it again. One more time. Okay? If everybody would stretch your hands this way and pray, we were right. That's right. That's right. Spend equals less. I used to get a kick out of it. Yvette's mom and dad. Now, she, you know, this is one of those generational curses we're still working on breaking. I'm telling you right now. And um, when you get into the grandparent world, that's a whole other um, thing that happens. Can I get a witness? Okay. Amen. So, but, but I, Yvette's dad, you say, he goes, I'm telling you, Irene has saved me millions of dollars. I said, wow. I didn't know I was marrying into wealth. He goes, oh, no, we don't have millions. But, every, but she's never bought it. Everything's 50% on sale. So, so look, I saved you 50%. Or I saved you 80 Spend <laughs> equals less. This is all right. Come on. One know the difference between spending and between saving. All right? And uh, let, me, let me close with this. Two quick things. I apologize for going over here today. Um, but while you're doing this, and, and can I just say this, make room for margin in your life. You didn't hear me say finances, you said life. Uh, if I could be honest, um, and, and you, need fi- you need margin in your, in your finances, that's why Dave Ramsey and others talk about having a little safety net there and building a little emergency account, and, you know, because stuff happens in life. It doesn't mean there's sin, it doesn't mean there's... You know, it's not, it's not always the devil. Sometimes, you know, tires just wear out on cars, okay? Look at me. If you go to the tire dealership and you've got 75,000 miles on your car, on your tires, and the thread's showing, and you go in there and say, well, the devil attacked my tires, tell them you're from some other church, please, all right? <laughs> don't, 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 just, I mean, that's not the devil, all right? <laughs> That's the blessing of God that kept you alive with those tires bald, okay? I'm serious, folks. Okay. But you need some margin. We've got to have some margin in our life. So, I, honestly, I, I encourage, live on 75% of you, what you make and tithe 10% and save 10% and carry, put some in savings and, and carry a few bucks in your pocket just so you can be intentionally generous. Maybe you're going to be intentionally generous. As you go to lunch today and that server and, and maybe they don't do a great job and maybe they're and you think they don't deserve a, a tip that might be the person that maybe they don't deserve it but they sure need it Is that, do you understand what I'm saying because, because we walk in the spirit and we live in the spirit and sometimes it's not just the, the 5% or 15% or 20 or 25% tip it's the What's going on in the spirit? Because we we want money to have a spirit attached to it. Our money has a spirit attached to it. And we want it to be blessing. And we want it to be life. Can I say this? That you need some margin in your life. How how much grace do I have? Do I have six minutes of grace this morning? Can I? Three people said yes. I guess that means grace is over. It's 12 o'clock. We should have already been out of here. Can I, can I, let, me, let me say this. I'm concerned about some of us. I'm concerned about a lot of us. 
that we're living our lives up to here. We've, I, I don't know how we got there. I, I, I don't know what, what led us to that place where our lives are just overwhelmed. We're trying to put 30 hours in every day and folks, it just doesn't work. And, and the stress and the weight and I'm reminded of the scripture where it says that, that our, our knees are buckled and our hands hang low. And the Holy Spirit comes in and says lift up those hands. Those weak hands. And, and, and we want to. We want to serve God and we want to have time with God and we want to read our Bible and we want to enjoy our kids and we want to have good marriages but man we're under the, the press and the weight and and can I tell you how cruel and vicious and, and demonic the devil is? That when he sees you begin to stagger, begin to, he'll come and he'll just pile more. And then there will be things that will be the devil's fault. And he'll attack you and, and all of a sudden little foxes come in and every time you turn around, something's breaking, something's tearing up, somebody's getting sick, you got to go to the doctor, you got to do this, you got to do that. And it's like a tidal wave. And can I tell you, again, if we don't live with margin in our time, stress, 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 man, got to go from here, and I'm late to this meeting, and I'm late to that meeting, and, and, then the, and then I can't understand why I'm so stressed out. I've said this to a couple people lately. Ask the Lord for some wisdom. Have a meeting with your calendar. Have a meeting with your day timer. And if, and if you've got stuff right on top of stuff, you've got to have some margin in your life. You, you get stuck in traffic, and you've got to have some margin. Man, some of you know, man, that, that's how I live. Tra oh, my gosh, you know, I've got a 1 o'clock meeting. I leave here at 1 o'clock to go to that meeting. And, man, it's just not the way to live. It's not the peace of God. That's not the blessed life. God wants blessing in your life. Amen? So let me, let me, did everybody write that word down? Margin, margin. All right, let's wrap up. Let's close. Okay, number five. Do you all receive that this morning? I hope you hear that from the Holy Spirit today. I, I believe, I believe that's a word from the Lord. Look at me, students. Th this goes to you too. I know you got work and school and life and boyfriends and girlfriends and parents and blah, 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 blah. You got to have some time with God. You got to have some margin in your life. You got to, okay, or, or you'll be, you'll, you'll live a crisis-oriented life. When the water's right here, I need help. The water's right here, I got this. Look at me. The Holy Spirit's talking to somebody about this this morning. He's been telling you, you need to get your life in order. You need to get your life in order. And every time the Holy Spirit talks to us, every time the Holy Spirit talks to us, we won't go into it, but, but there's a section of Scripture in 1 Kings chapter 17 where there's a widow woman. You remember the story where the, there's a widow woman and, and she's out and she's gathering up some sticks and, and she doesn't have any supply, doesn't have any resource left. And, and the, the Holy Spirit, God speaks to the prophet, to, to Elijah, and he says, hey, go to this widow. I think this is one of the most interesting sections of Scripture. So he goes to the widow. He knows the widow's poor, knows she's broke, knows, you know, knows she's broke. And he sits at the gate and he watches her come by. <laughs> Listen to this. 
and he says, and she says, uh, he says, hey, could you uh, get me a drink? And, um, and here she's out just gathering up sticks, and he's sitting there. It doesn't sound very spiritual, does it? Why didn't he go help her pick up the sticks? I don't understand, <laughs> you know? Get, get me some water, please. And, and he said, oh, and while you're going, will you make me something to, um, to drink? Or will you make me something to eat? <laughs> and she stops, and you can see she's one of those people overwhelmed with the stress and the pressure of life. And I can see her turning to him and say, if you only knew, all I've got in my house is just a little bit of oil and a little bit of flour, and I've got these sticks, and I'm going to go home and make a fire, and I'm going to cook this little cake, and I'm going to feed it to my son, and I'm going to eat some of it myself, and then we're just going to die because we've got no more resource. I love the prophet's response. <laughs> yes. Well, when you make the cake, bring it to me first. Let me eat first. Where is the compassion, you know? Where is that? I love this. He says, listen, if you'll do this, let me go read this section of Scripture. He says, if you'll do this, God will resupply. He, he will resupply, and your oil and your flour will never. Read it. It's in the Bible. Your, supply, your resupply will never run out. And at that point in time, she stood where some of us stand today. She stood at that place of saying, will I turn? Will I, will I just live in the natural? Will I, will I just deal with what's in front of my face? Or will I take a step of faith and believe God? And you know what she does? The scripture says, she went and did as he said. She took a step of faith and said, God, I'll, I'll trust you. I'll trust you not only to be my original supply, I'll trust you to be my continual supply. Can I tell you, we said it a couple weeks ago, you know, is it about prosperity gospel or poverty gospel? It's not. It's about provision gospel. That God provides everything that we need. And so this morning, it really is about that step of faith. Where are you putting your faith? In you? In the economy of the world? Bad choice, okay? Where <laughs> are you going to put your faith in God? That's where it all starts. That's how it all begins, isn't it? When we put our faith in Jesus Christ.